The Athletic. Hello, Dan Bardell here, welcoming you to a very special edition of 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I hope you've all had a good Christmas. Greg, Holly and I have the week off to digest turkey, not for me because I'm vegetarian, and work our way through the 17,000 mince pies we have in our larders. There's been a lot of football to watch still, but I hope you'll enjoy listening to a great conversation we had with Conor Harahan last week. You could even do both at the same time, I suppose. As I say, this was recorded just before Christmas. It's a good, long chat that has been on our to-do list for quite some time, and on Connor's as well. So here's a full frank breakdown of Connor's time at Villa. We will be back in the new year with myself, Greg and Holly. So have a great New Year celebrations and up the Villa. Connor, thanks ever so much for coming on the 1874 podcast. Been trying to get you on a podcast for a number of years now, and it's great to finally be able to talk to you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Nice to be on. Like you said, it's been a while, so looking forward to it. Yeah, just talk us through what's going on with you at the moment. Obviously, you've been at Sheffield United on a good run as well at the moment. You're in the team. It going well? Yeah, yeah, enjoying it. Um, listen, there's no getting away from the fact the change of managers has, has helped me. Um, obviously, having the manager previously um, and having a bit of success under him at Barnsley has, has helped me from that point of view. Um, it probably wasn't going to plan um, prior to that with the previous manager, but look, I've been very fortunate over the years. That was probably the the one kind of period where I felt, where am I going here with, with this? So... Um, since the change of manner, yeah, it's it's been going well and enjoying it definitely. Yeah, Greg, it's good to have Connor on, isn't it? Chew the fat with him over his time at Villa. A lot to go through, to be fair. Some of the most exciting times, I think, covering covering Villa when when Connor's been in the team. Certainly, I think the the promotion um, winning season was such a joy to watch, and then okay, the the, the Premier League season in, after was a bit difficult with some of the supporters not in for some of the games. But I just think you know Villa being back in the Premier League was such a big deal, and obviously Connor played a big part at the end. But um, Connor, just a quick one for you: is is Villa done and dusted now? I mean, for the for the listeners. Will they ever see you in a Villa shirt again, or is that it? Probably, probably not. If I'm being honest with you, listen, it, it's even hard for me to say that really, um, because listen, I've, I've got so much fondness towards the club. I've had, you know, the four and a half years I had there. Um, you know, I loved every minute of it. It was, it was, it was such an amazing time in my career. The best part of my career, no doubt, um, as of today. Um, so, so probably, yeah. And like I said, um, it's even hard for me to say that because you still always have that hope, but um, you have to be realistic as well at the same time. You got that send off, didn't you, at, at Barrow? At least you got that that final game in. Would you have loved to work under Stephen Gerrard, though? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you that. I know exactly what the answer is going to be. That would have been something else, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that would have been special, I suppose. You know, um, obviously, listen, coming up, growing up, he would have been kind of one of the main players um, that I would have looked up to and, and loved and watched. And um, you know, Lampard being another, you know, JT being another who I was fortunate, fortunate enough to work with. But Gerard would have been would have been special. Um, but listen, it just it probably wasn't meant to be or whatever. But it was nice to get that Barrow game. Um, it, to, to kind of say that was my last game to captain the club. It was it was lovely, really. You looked like you really enjoyed yourself at Barrow. I mean, I was there yeah. watching on, and you were just you know you were spraying passes all over the place and and a couple of assists. You just looked genuinely happy out there. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I probably knew that could have been my last one. You know, I was I was wearing the armband for Aston Villa. 
had been there for like I said four and a half years or so um, it, it, it was a night really I loved uh, you know even playing with the young lads like Cameron Archer got a hat trick and there was a lot of other young lads involved as well and um, you know, just to to get to get a great to get a great win to see the fans in the corner to be able to clap them off. It, it was just it was a nice send off to be fair. And like I said, I really enjoyed that night. And, and that's why you probably like you probably said I loved it so much. And you probably saw how much I loved it because I probably knew that may have been my last one. Really, yeah, it's nice for the away fans to be able to give you a send off as well because you know you've given them some great moments over the years. And the ones at Barrow, they would have been the hardcore as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. It's it's not an easy trip to Barrow. We found that out ourselves on the night. Um, but listen, like always, you know, full away attendance. Um, you know, kitted out fully. Not a seat a seat in sight. Same as always. Like I said, what I fully expected, and it was great. It was brilliant. Are you a golfer, Connor? Yeah, I love golf. Yeah. Did you get around in there? Because I think some of the coaching stuff. Yeah, did, some didn't of the they, coaches yeah. did sneak off. I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> I want no. And being a player, obviously, no, I, I, I didn't it. get around in no. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I do like a spare a spare round when I get the time. But with the kids, no, uh, that doesn't come around very often. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd find a way to ask a golf question. I didn't think he was going to be off the back of Barrow. Yeah. I knew you would find a way <laughs> know, yeah. to ask something about golf. Barrow and golf, I was thinking, where is he going here? But uh, no, yeah, I do like around that. But I'm, I'm a summer golfer, I must admit as well. In these winter cold months, it's, it's, <sighs> you don't no see good, the club. Yeah, you don't see the clubs out very often, to be fair. No, 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 no. Is, is that from your Irish roots then? Or did you, did you kind of adopt it when you, when you came over here? I used to play when I was young, juvenile in my local golf course. My dad plays and he still plays now. Um, so in the summertime, listen, I was sport crazy when I was young, golf, GA, soccer, rugby, whatever I could get my hands on over the summer months when I was off school. Um, so it, golf was just another sport that I loved and, and kept going over the years, really. I'm going to put this one out there, Dan. I presume you agree with me, but Sheffield United are on a good run of form now and it's no surprise there's a certain Irishman back in the centre of midfield. <laughs> hey, been nice, uh, have we been too nice to him, Dan, or, or is there a co- co- correlation there? <laughs> <laughs> I, tell you, I did watch the game on Monday. I haven't yeah. actually watched you all season, Sheffield United. But I tuned in on, on Monday to watch you. Usually, when I watch you, you end, you end up losing. But you had, you had a good game, actually. Yeah, yeah. Some we... nice passing. There was a one little spell of passing. I don't know if you remember it at the end right. of the first half. Yeah. Good little. You did a couple of really nice knocks. Right, yeah. Good passing in yeah, there, we, yeah. We, to be fair, Dan, we, and we didn't touch the ball too too often on that night against Fulham. They're, listen, they're a good side. They got some good players for this league. That's where they're top of the league. But. We've just we're on a little bit of run, a little bit of momentum, and it was uh, it's nice to be in the team when you're winning games as well. Because listen, you you obviously enjoy your football a lot more when that's the case. It feels like this was the case at Villa as well that you would like come in from the cold, yeah, and they'd hit a bit of form and go on a little bit of a run, and that is what's happened at Sheffield United. To be fair as well, yeah, it's 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 nice to be in the team when you're winning games because you expect to play the next game, I suppose. Um, you know, I had a couple of occasions in the Premier League when I was out with the team at Villa and. What kind of kept me going and kind of got me back in the side was that Carabao Cup run. You know, we we played Crewe, we played Brighton, I managed to score in both of them games. I think we played Liverpool, I scored in that game. Um, and that was kind of, at the time in the Premier League, my kind of stage to try and force my way back into the team. Because at the time we were in and around the relegation zone as well. So um, them games were important for me at the time to get back in the team. And like I said, a little bit of luck always helps you, you know, in your career as well. I think the record in the League Cup's pretty good, isn't it, in terms of games, uh, goals to games? I mean, that kind of just shows your your resilience, doesn't it? When you play, you, you make an impact. Yeah, it was great. Listen, that run was amazing. That's another kind of highlight of my of Villa career. Um, getting to a major cup final, obviously, would have been an amazing if we had won it. But listen, we were up against an, an amazing Man City team. It was always going to be difficult. 
Um, but yeah, I've, I've nicked a couple of goals in the Carabao Cup and like I said, that forced me back into the team around that period of my Villa career. So yeah, I had fond memories of, of that run and, and getting to the final, which is another kind of great you know, moment in my career, getting to a major cup final. It's always something I'll be able to say I did. Yeah, we're going to try and follow your career at Villa relatively chronologically, but, but just to start, you've had some great highs as, as a player. Yeah. It's a big year for you now, 2022, coming up. Obviously, your contract comes to an end. You're at Sheffield United at the moment. How do you feel about it all? Are you, are you nervous, excited? Do you want that? Well, I presume you do want that one last big chapter. Because you could get promoted and end up being a Premier League player again, couldn't you? Yeah, I suppose what I would love, me being me, I'd love to get back to the Premier League for another season. That's kind of the my motivation getting up in the morning and going into Sheffield United and you know seeing that things have turned now and we're on a decent run we're kind of pushing towards and playoff positions um I'd love to you know fingers crossed whether it's this year next year whatever year over the next couple of years you know that I've got still playing professional football I'd love to get back to the Premier League that one more time um because you know you you miss it when when you when I've been there I've been I was there for I suppose Villa have been in the Premier League now two seasons I was there for eighteen months of it because I was at Swansea for the second half of last year um I'd I'd love to kind of say I got back to the Premier League again that's the motivation really do you feel there's a little bit of unfinished business there do you feel like you didn't quite get enough out of it as you would have wanted no yes and no I suppose um to to answer honestly I, I would say. I wouldn't say there's unfinished business because unfinished business may be, you know, getting another 100 games or, you know, unrealistically winning the Premier League or something like that. You know what I mean? Because when I was in League Two with Plymouth, all I wanted to do was get one appearance in the Premier League. I was absolutely... De- no, I was, honestly. I was desperate to make it to the, the pinnacle of, of club football, which is the Premier League. Um, and to say I've, I've done that is something that I'll always be happily, happy about. But when you get a taste of it, I'd love to just do it one more time, you know, so... Um, I wouldn't say there's unfinished business, but that is the motivation to try and get back there and just get another appearance in there because the buzz of the Premier League, when you watch the Premier League, um, you know, when I seen, I was watching Villa the other night, I haven't seen him too many times this year, but I try and watch him whenever I get the chance. You know, I watched the Norwich game the other night and, you know, watching them in the Premier League, I'd just love to get back there one more time and, and, and to kind of grace that field would be brilliant. Yeah, we'll come on to a, a certain tweet that, that you sent when you made your <laughs> Premier League debut later on in the show but let's just remind the listeners you cost Villa one and a half million pounds a further 500k when we got promoted Greg for everything Connor delivered that is some serious value for money I mean everyone talks about that obviously the John McGinn price as well but Villa did some great business in that in that midfield in the championship didn't they and Connor was was one of them yeah we, we look we've talked about this on podcasts before haven't we we've we've tried to discuss who we think is the best or the you know the top sort of five value for money players that Villa have signed and, and Dwight York always comes into the, the conversation because he was signed on the beach and, and you know came over and cost next That's to nothing. That's a pretty good signing that from wasn't a bad sign yeah. was yeah. <laughs> He's not a bad player. <laughs> but I mean you know the, the two that always spring to mind from the modern era are Connor and John McGinn you know the the money that Villa paid for them is modern day and age and what they gave the club is incredible so um Connor, there's something I always wanted to ask you. If there, if there was one particular highlight from Villa, what that, that sort of sticks in your mind, what what would that be? Um, Whether it be a goal or a moment or a game. God, it's tough. It's tough. That's a tough question because over the kind of time I had at the club, four and a half years, there's there's been some amazing moments. Uh, to pick out one, it's like obviously the promotion's amazing. Um, avoiding a relegation was amazing on the last day. They had two amazing feelings. Just a shame, I suppose, the, releg- the avoiding relegation. There was no fans at the time. Yeah. Um, 
getting to a major major cup final was always a lovely one for me coming from where I've come from league two and all the way up yes we got beat but to be able to say I played in one was amazing and obviously when you're talking about goals then you know Birmingham obviously was an amazing moment West Brom um you know a hat-trick against Norwich so yeah I had, I had some amazing times over the four and a half years you know when going back to what you said about signings or whatever you know when when I first signed for the club you know the amount of players over them four and a half years that came through the door and left again was it was crazy to so to be able to kind of say that you know I hung on in there and you know did okay at the club is something that I'm very proud of really even the players that signed the week you joined, it was about three or four of you that came in in that, in that same week. God, Hogan, Bjarnes and Lansbury and you. That was yeah. all like in a short space of time, wasn't it? And really, you're the only one that, that went on and, and played consistently or relatively consistently in the Premier League for Villa. Yeah, God, Dan, at the time, the Belfry was full of players at that stage. Whether the changeover <laughs> squad then was crazy, you know. Um, you know, there was Sam Johnson was in there, he just signed. Neil Taylor was there. Bree, Hogan... Lansbury, yeah, like I said, yeah, Lansbury, club, it? Um, Neil Taylor was there. Am I missing anyone? I could be missing someone. Um, so you, you know, obviously, listen, Sam did great for us, didn't he? Um, when he was when he was at the club, was involved in the in the in the in the playoff loss. I know, um, I know Sam would have loved to have signed for the club permanently, but obviously, we knew going to that final that we were in money problems. Um, so that's why Sam probably didn't sign that summer. Um, I like to say that Neil Taylor did well. I'm, I'm close to Tails and I call him a good friend. So um, he mightn't have played as many games, say, as myself or whatever. But as a character around the dressing room and what he gave to the club, I feel is, it was very important. So um, me and them two probably are the two that are the three that spring to mind around the time that I signed. Was it Brentford away, your first game? Yeah, Brentford, yeah. Oh, man, I remember, <laughs> being, I remember being stood there. One, I haven't stood at the football. I hadn't stood at the football for well over 20 years. We were, we were absolutely panned. We had all these new players, and I was just stood yeah, there thinking, what was... on earth is going on here? And I imagine you were probably the same on the pitch. Yeah, it was a shocking debut for, for me and the team. It was one that I don't look back on with fond memories. It was pouring with rain, and we got battered. Simple as that, we got battered. And then about, I don't know how many games later, maybe about, three games later or something like that we played Barnsley at home at Villa Park don't know if you remember that game and we got yeah, we got beat 3-0 or 3-1 was it and I think I, it was 3-1 I think we three, went 3-0 down though I think. yeah something like that it was definitely three Barnsley scored and it was 3-0 or 3-1 that I thought Connor what you like have you made the right choice here but listen they're, they're I suppose we're laughing about them now which is nice but um, yeah there were two games that stuck out in my head early on that I thought this isn't going to plan as of yet. I mean that that Barnsley game. Did you get quite a bit of stick from your from your old teammates because it was quite a quick turnaround? Uh, and I mean, when you say there, you, you thought have I made the right decision? Was that like a genuine thought of yours? Or I suppose it was at the time because this night came from Barnsley and it was only about five games in at the time, and I had six months left of my deal at Barnsley. Um, so it was a massive call for me to sign for Villa because you know it was. You know, there's a few clubs in for me and Barnsley wanted to make a couple of quid because, you know, Barnsley aren't, you know, blessed with lots of money over the years. So I, there was a thought process of, will I wait till the end of the season and go on a free? There might be more clubs interested in me or whatever. But for whatever reason, Villa just felt, felt like the right fit at the time. And five games in, when I was so desperate to make the Premier League, like I've spoken about earlier on in this chat, you know, when things don't go well instantly, you think, have I made the right choice? And that's an automatic thought for, for a footballer, you know, so... Um, that definitely was a tough process, yeah, especially when the Barnsley defeat came. Some of the listeners might not understand the benefits of being a free agent. So 
what you've just mentioned there, you were going to be what, 26, 27? Yeah, that's I think 26. Good, yeah. Yeah, that's a good age yeah. to be a free agent, isn't it? Because you've got, you potentially have so many offers. Can you just give the people that, that are listening to it wouldn't really know a flavour of what it would be like and why it's a benefit to be a free agent at that point? I suppose one of the biggest benefits is when you're kind of 26 going well. I, I was captain for Barnsley. I just got promoted from League One, started off the, the championship season relatively well, um, hence why you know Villa and other clubs are after me. Um, but I suppose if I'd waited an extra six months, I was in control of, of my career, of where I wanted to go. Listen, you're in control anyway, but there's certain you know agents or people at, at Barnsley or or Villa, you know, Barnsley are trying to get you out the door a little bit because they want money. They don't want you to run down your contract because, like I said, they're not blessed with money. Um, there might have been a bit more money in it for me because, you know, there's no transfer fee involved. Um, so that was a, tempta- a, a, a temptation to, to wait another six months um, because, like, I, I've been in League 2, I'd been in League 1, hadn't made a lot of money in my career. So it was a big, big time and a big, big decision. Um, and... Yeah, it, like I said, Villa came along. There was a couple of clubs in for me, Sheffield Wednesday, Fulham. I've probably mentioned that before in other interviews. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just jumped at the Villa one. It was a, It's a massive football club, as we know. And, you know, just in, I didn't want to wait six months more because you never know what could happen in the game. Injury, a loss of form, whatever it may be. So um, I jumped at the Villa one, really. It was part of moving doing right by Barnsley as well because like you say knowing that the transfer fee would really help them yeah was that part of your decision a little bit I suppose yeah Dan um you know I wanted to go out the right way um and, I, and like I said about the Villa one earlier I, I left Barnsley in amazing terms one of my last games was beating Leeds 3-2 at home scoring a free kick that was my last game to win 3-2 so I've been very fortunate oh, I've left clubs as well um you know I went out on the right way and People always mention that, yeah, they might have mentioned, you know, getting promoted or whatever, but a lot of people do mention, you know, going out in the right way. Because um, I could have easily not have played that game. You know, I was, I probably knew I was going down for a medical within three or four days of that game, you know what I mean? Um, so that's something I'm, I'm pleased about as well, going out in the right way, which is something that stands you in good stead moving forward, really. I think people often forget, Connor, as well, when you moved to Villa, how chaotic it was and, and how quickly things unravelled. Um that second season after the after the playoff final defeat it was a it was a mad time, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. Like when I when I you know first moved from Barnsley to Villa, um, the dressing room was was pretty tough. If I'm being honest, you know you had big characters like you know you Mika Richards, Gabby Abongdahor, two guys who I got on great with by the way in my time being in the dressing room with them. Um, you had people still still around the place like Sissoko, remember the left back? Yeah. Um, the striker that Villa signed from Lazio, what was his name again? Kozak. Kozak. Yeah, Kozak. Like people like that were still in the dressing room. So you think, like, I've come from Barnsley here, who, and, and all of a sudden I'm kind of in and around the dressing room. These kind of guys, it, you know, it wasn't easily. Ashley Westwood was leaving at the time, and I was probably coming in to maybe be a similar fit to him. So that wasn't easy. There was a big um, a turnover of players, like we've spoken about. Um, so, you know, people in the dressing room don't take to you great because are you coming in to take their position or whatever it may be? Um, and then, you know, that happened and you know, we moved forward and, and then the playoff final, it was a crazy time, obviously the Dr. Tony thing, um, you know, where, where he left and we all knew that going into that final, we had to win or else there was money problems. Um, so the first kind of 18 months of my Villa career was, was difficult, but... You know, I suppose it makes you the character you are today and, and it helps you grow as well, you know. You must have a Dr. Tony story. 
everyone we speak to who played at that time <laughs> has a Dr. Tony story. Tommy Elphick's got about 50. Yeah, do you he's know? Got some, he's got some great stories. Yeah, we had a couple where he, we, he came in and he gave us a couple of speeches and he couldn't speak English and he was trying to get his message across. Um, it was just a bizarre, bizarre time. I remember one going into a, the, the playoff campaign. I was at, I and you could see the desperation on his face that he he needed the the money to you know for us to win. Uh, he couldn't get his message across, and he had an interpreter trying to help him. And it was just, yeah, it it was a mess. It was a mess. But um, like like he spent a lot of money. You know, you go back to like Kodja, Scott Yogan. Ross McCormack, how much did they cost together? Just them alone, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we put a lot of money into the club, you know. So yeah, it was it was a it was a strange time, definitely. He used to message the players, didn't he? Yeah, he messaged. Oh, I've got yeah. quite a funny story. I think I've told you this before. When you scored the hat trick at Norwich, right? I used to speak to him quite a lot, and he messaged me basically taking the credit for your hat trick. <laughs> did it? Yeah. He sent me a screenshot of a chat he'd had with you. Right. Basically motivating you the night before. Right. And he took the credit, basically, that you, you scored a hat-trick that know, day. Do you know what? Because he'd given you this team talk the night before. I think because the club spent money on, like I say, going back that January, we kind of kind of petered out that season. Kind of, We didn't. We finished mid-table, did nothing. Um, and he started messaging me, yeah, kind of saying, you know, I want you to do better, blah-de-blah. And then, yeah, he started to message me on, on Twitter quite a lot after the kind of first six months. Um, but yeah, he, he was a funny character and uh, yeah, never to be seen again, I suppose, after that final. No, I don't know where he is now, to be fair. Yeah, it, honestly, when when we lost that final, all I heard was he was up in his room, door closed, and just kind of faded into the distance since then. I, I think he must, I mean, look, you know, not really got any defence for him, but it, it, I think genuinely he wanted to, he wanted to do well, didn't he? He wanted Villa to do well, of course. I think he did, so, yeah. But yeah. I just think the whole, you know, not knowing how to run a football club eventually was his downfall, yeah. I think so. And at the time when I was in and around it, and like I keep going back to, I came from Plymouth, came from Barnsley, coming to Villa, I probably thought maybe running a big club was like that, but, you know, crazy, a lot of money getting chucked about left, right, and centre. But when I was settled into my villa time and the new owners came in and what the club is now, looking back to the club that I signed for, it's like two different clubs. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, that, that that time, um, you know, there's money thrown around on players or whatever, but it, the, the structure of the club was just wasn't there, you know what I mean, under Dr. Tony. But now, looking at the club that it is now, you know, with Christian Porzlo and all the rest of it, it's it's completely different animal. Completely different. Just, just one final one on this before we before we move on. Th- that summer after the playoff final defeat, when you know Tottenham were heavily in for Jack and, yeah. and Chesney almost got his move. Um, how was it like for you? Were you a bit concerned about maybe not getting paid at any point, or you know, with all the financial problems? Just, just talk us through your feelings at that point. <laughs> no, it, it probably wasn't about getting not getting paid. It, it, it was probably about where is the club going. You know, I made a huge decision for myself to you know eighteen months prior to try and get back to the Premier League. Um, and it, listen, at that time, that's probably the worst kind of summer slash moment of, of my career, losing that playoff final. It really hit me hard that, that day because I thought that was my ticket and was my ticket gone. We knew the money problems, you know, Sam Johnson wasn't going to sign, Chesley was possibly leaving, you won't go on about Jack, you know, where is the club going? And that couple of months was really, really difficult. Um, I never thought that we were probably in a stage of not getting paid. That never really crossed my mind. It was more of... You know, I signed to get to the Premier League. All of a sudden, 18 months later, it's not going to plan. Where is it all going? And that was the kind of difficult questions I was asking myself, really. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Steve Bruce deserve a lot of credit for steadying the ship. Some I know the next season, the start of it wasn't brilliant at all. But yeah. talk about the chaos and the problems at the club and the way it was run. Yeah, that season before, I know fans always thought we should get automatically promoted with that squad. But did he actually do well to get in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I, I do think so. I think Steve gets an awful lot of stick, wrongly in in, in my opinion. You know, he, it was a really tough time for the club. Um, you know, new owners came in, um, and he was unsure about his own future. You know, he steadied the ship, got us to a playoff final, one game to getting us promoted, where he probably we would look at it at a different light if we had won that game. Um, and like I said, it wasn't an easy time for 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 the club under Doctor Tony. So now Steve, Steve, you know, I don't like call him Steve the Gaffer. I suppose I would call him. Um, you know, I think deserves a little bit more credit. Yeah, it didn't work out for him in the end, but. He definitely brought in some good players and steadied the ship and, and, and created a path for the club to move forward in the right direction. Did you enjoy playing under him more than Dean? Uh, no, I wouldn't say a yes and no to that question. What I would say is that I have a lot more fonder memories under Dean because of the promotion of getting, you know, of getting to the Premier League. Um, so... I probably look back at the Steve Bruce time a little bit more in disappointment, not because of the manager himself, just because of the moments that we had together, whereas Dean was, you know, a lot more brighter days. But for you individually, that, that season under Steve, the full season, I'm calling him Steve now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether I'm what I should call him, but yeah, I want to call him Steve yeah. as well. You know, your record in terms of goal and goals and assists, I think you were the top scoring, I mean, you'll, you'll probably know the answer to this, wasn't you the top scoring central midfielder since David Platt? Yeah, that, yeah. To be fair, I, I contributed a lot that season. I felt I felt like I did really, really well. Um, you know, me and Jack were playing in the eights at the time, and and Emilia or kind of claim were playing behind us. Um, yeah, so I felt like I, I I had a good year that year, you know, scoring a lot of goals, and then um, it it probably flipped on its head a little bit when I, when Dean came in. You know, we signed Guinea, um, and you know I had to make myself a number six to try and get in the team. But uh, no, I, I felt that that year I, I did perform well and probably put my stamp on it really at Aston Villa as a club. I suppose it's worth going a bit deeper into, into that, Connor, if you don't mind. Um, the positional change and, and what you were asked to do differently and, and how you had to adapt to get into the team. I mean, it must have been quite hard at times. You, you'd done so well in that season, yet you were getting asked to be different. You know what? I, 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 didn't, I didn't bother me at all that I had to change my game. Um, because, listen, you were Jack and, and John and Guinea in, in, in front of you. You know what I mean? Two top-class players players you know I, I thought I, I'm going to struggle to get into the team here unless I change something so Dean came to me about playing in number six um, and I was open to it of course 
you know, when you got them two number eights ahead of you, it, it made your job easier anyway because, you know, Jack with his ball control and his dribble, dribble, dribbling ability, Guinea with his energy. So it made my job easy behind to kind of adapt really. But listen, like I said, I probably wasn't going to get into the team as much as I would like with them two being eight. So I, I had to change something and I was willing to do that, no problem. Whelan had a bit of a revitalisation that season as well, didn't he? So you ended up fighting it out with, with him. You, yeah. You, you, you and him seemed to swap quite a lot because Villa fans hadn't been keen on him, but suddenly he came from nowhere and found some really, really good form at the same time as you change into that position as well. Yeah, Glenn obviously listen, has had a fantastic career, you know, over 250 Premier League appearances, you know, and you know, in your own right, that's an unbelievable career. So Glenn was obviously coming into it and, and playing really well. Um, you know, there was rumours of people like Romain Sawyers because of Dean's link with Brentford. Uh, Josh McEachran was linked at the time. Uh, would they come in? Um, if they come in, would they be playing number six? So there's a lot of things that go on that people probably don't see for footballers. You know, you always, Villa are always linked with players. Um, and like I keep going back to all the time, my motivation was to get in the Premier League and I wanted to be heavily involved in the team that got promoted because that would mean a better chance for me to you know, be involved in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, it was probably, in the end, me and Glenn kind of battling it out. And uh, that was interesting because I got on really well with Glenn and still am friends with him now. You know, we were in the Irish team together as well. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting battle, definitely. Even that season, you must have thought, Premier League's not happening. Because, again, it was difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, Because of that 10-game run, you forget about it, but there were some absolute stinkers around Christmas and after Christmas. Yeah, around Christmas wasn't easy. Obviously, we didn't have Jack in the team, um, which is a massive factor, as we know, and, you know, it continued to be a factor. And then, all of a sudden, Jack came back. We found a bit of rhythm. We found a bit of kind of mojo, as I said, got a settled team. Um, Tyrone came into the team, didn't he? Signed in January. Yeah. Jed came back and played in goal, and we just became solid. We came, became settled and just took off, really. You know, this time around the Christmas period, around that time of the season, we, we weren't playing well. I remember going to Stoke and we were poor, um, and we got a 1 1 draw. And kind of, it was close after that point, then where we kind of flipped it on its head and went on an unbelievable run, really. When we had James Chester on, Danny, he, he, you know, he very. He was very clear. He pointed towards Jack, didn't he? He said, without Jack, we probably wouldn't have done it. I mean, is that a bit unfair, Connor? Because there's 10 others out there. Um, I suppose it is and it isn't. But listen, you can't get away from Jack's quality and what he brings to the side and what he was bringing to the club. And, you know, to have Jack like, hit a player of his quality in, in, in the championship was unheard of, really. You know, Jack will probably go down in recent years as the best player to play in the championship you know what I mean yeah, so 100 yeah. to, to have him in your team you can't say that it's not down to Jack or it's you know but obviously he was a huge huge factor in it yes there was a 10 of us and 12 of us and 14 of us a bit of a squad game filling in the holes around Jack but I needed you know I needed a bit of luck in my career to come across players like Jack John McGinn Tammy Abraham you know to, to get me to the Premier League because you know I wasn't good enough to get there by, by myself so you know, I, I I needed players like Jack around me, but he was a massive factor, of course. Me and Dan absolutely loved watching Jack, and um, I, I think secretly Dan still does. Um, I, I do. <laughs> I'm not secret about it. I'm not, I'm ah, listen, no, I love, not secret from there. I love watching Jack. He's, I mean, he's, special. Look, you know, he's special. We, we we think he's great. You know, we love yeah. watching him. But um, the one thing supporters used to always say, and I always thought this was a bit unfair towards Dean Smith, the manager, was that Dean was getting results because they had Jack. I mean, look, you've worked under him. You've seen his good parts, his bad parts, etc. Can you just give us a bit of a flavour of, of what he was like and, and why that's probably an unfair suggestion? Listen, Dean came in and um, 
you know, put his own stamp on things and he, he, he wanted to play probably a 4-3-3, similar to the way he did at Brentford. Um, and yeah, listen, obviously any team's going to be hampered with not having Jack. That's that's a given, you know, the record with him without Jack when I was at the club is probably is probably crazy if you probably got the stats up, you know what I mean? But no, Dean, Dean was great. Yeah, he's a brilliant man first and foremost, but gets your respect straight away. Um, you know, had a good coaching staff around him as well. Um, you know, was really good tactically in games, and he gave us the belief that we had a really good team in in the championship, which we did, and went just to strength from to, from strength to strength from there. But um, no, Dean, uh, Dean, Dean was really good, really, really good. Um, from that point of view, you know, even with with or without Jack and the team, because I remember doing podcasts and. You know, all Villa fans cared about was we need, we need to get promoted ASAP the whole time we were in the championship. And I think it probably was after that after that Stoke game we were like, this really isn't, yeah. isn't going to happen here. But there was fans that were saying, oh, we can just win ten in a row. <laughs> you know, we got we got a really good chance. I remember sitting there thinking, absolutely no chance yeah. is this going to happen. But suddenly, game by game, you just started to think, bloody hell, we're we're actually onto something here. This might happen. And then getting into the playoffs, it felt felt really different to, to the year before because we, we felt like we had more momentum than the year before. Was there a lot of differences between those two campaigns? I think obviously the 10 in a row gives you such belief. You know, I, I can't remember all the 10 games, but I can remember a couple that were big for us. I remember Derby at home. I think that was Jack's first game back. I can obviously... Re- I, thought, I thought you might remember the ones you saw. <laughs> I can uh, obviously remember the one at, at Blues away. You know, that was a massive one. Obviously, I know the incident with Jack and all the rest of it, but as a character building, as a kind of a, you know, we're up for whatever you throw at us kind of factor, that was that was a big, big one as well. Um, was there any any more in your... Rotherham felt the biggest to me. Yeah, Rotherham was another massive one. Yeah, Dan, you, you bang on with that one. You know, we had a man sent off. I think, did Tammy miss a penalty that night early on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, to come back and win that 2-1 was massive. So... Them three games off the top of my head um, were were huge, and it just gives you huge character building. It, it you know it builds you as a team, builds you you know the buzz around the club, and it, and listen, if you go from winning two games to four games to six to eight to, to ten, you know you, you're going to climb that table in the championship because the the league's so tight. So it was massive for us, really. Well, that's your shirt actually from the Rotherham game. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think I just remember ten men. Mr. penalty. Yeah. Codger comes on and we end up playing two up front and he's yeah. like this master stroke from Dean Smith. He scores a penalty and then Grealish scores that unbelievable, unbelievable goal. Yeah. One of my favourite goals yeah. I think I've ever seen a Villa player score. It, that was when I did think, oh my God. Yeah, I think... We're, we're going to go up. Little things like going back to your previous question about Dean. He made decent, you know, good decisions at the right. He could have easily went 4-4-1 there and try and nick a point. But we were on such a good run, momentum. He went 4-3-2, me, Jack and John in the middle of the park. Mille, Mille came on and went centre half, and he went Tammy and Codge, and that that was a, that was an unbelievable. That was probably one of one of my favourite games I would say that season. Um, you know, obviously we went on to get promoted, which would probably blitz a cup with that Rotherham game. But as that run kind of was, that Rotherham game was was huge. That the celebrations after that after that game after that goal when Jack scored that goal was was amazing. My memories from that game kind of was. Um... Because it's quite a small ground, the the press conference room is right next to the dressing room. Right. So when Dean was doing his interview after, right. we could hear all the players singing the two Anzebi song. Right, yeah, and I was yeah. just like, "Is that the players?" And it was. It was the whole. It was the whole. Okay. I mean, can you remember it? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I think Dean had given us an extra day off or something. That's why we were probably, <laughs> we were probably singing a that extra bit louder. But um, yeah, there was a few songs as well that started to get sung. The Twanzebi song was a Courtney House song. 
Yeah. Um, Tommy Tommy had a song as well at the time, and they were there was were, that a lie a lie song. Yeah, that's that, on yeah, end, exa- it? yeah, it did. Yeah, that started that started going on as well. So there was a great buzz there that night. Um, yeah, it, it was brilliant. Thinking about it now, it gives you gives me goosebumps. That running kind of what we're probably going to go on to now, you know, into the questions about winning the playoff final, all the rest of it. It just gives me amazing feelings, really. Yeah, let's let's go to the se- the semi final then. Before we get into the games, do you think having this might be a stupid question because again, I think I probably know the answer, but did it help having the experience of the year before this time round? Yeah, definitely, definitely did. Um, going back to my Barnsley days, um, we played the J- J- Johnson Payne Trophy final, and that's usually on around April time, and we played the playoff final then in May, and my experience of that was because we had the experience of the Johnson Payne Trophy the month before. We knew going into the May final, the experience, the atmosphere, we knew what was to come. We knew the occasion. We knew we were going to win that game. And with same with the Villa one, um, the previous year was massive for us. The, the squad was, you know, we always had players from the previous year, as you usually do. And that stood us in massive stead. And I've probably found out that again this year, where I went to the final with Swansea, Brentford had lost the previous final. And they probably had a better, yeah. you know, experience of the previous final going into this year's final, and that stood them in massive stead as well going into it. So that was huge, no doubt about it. Might work for you again. You you playing in the final last year, and then you could end up in the final again I, with Sheffield United. I've had enough of playoff finals, Dan. Bloody, yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I can't cope with them anymore. I swear to you. Are they, that, are they that bad compared to to, to normal games? Because as a fan, yeah. I remember being in that West Brom away game, and the penalties. Yeah, oh, one of the worst experiences I think I've ever had as a football fan. I honestly thought I was going to die at one point. It was horrible. What I would say about these these games, I've, I've had four of them now. I had three in the championship and, and one in League One. Um, the, for me, uh, the Carabao Cup final doesn't have a patch on a playoff final, in my opinion. Really? Because there's so much on the line. You know, Whatever about the League One playoff final, you want to get to the championship, of course. But the championship playoff finals, the tension on them days are huge because there's such so much at stake. The money to the club, you know, financial power for players is always in the you know financial power for everyone involved you know it's it's absolutely huge it can you know give such a boost to your career and your families it's it's massive what the hell do you do to prepare for it because i mean some some people think oh you've got to be ultra professional during these games but Sometimes on the flip side, if you go and have like a casual night out where everyone just switches off, that makes a difference as well, doesn't it? Yeah. It relaxes everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the night before the, the second playoff final, I didn't sleep a week. <laughs> I, honestly, I didn't because I was all I was thinking of was the previous year and I'm thinking, I can't lose the second one. Can't do it again. The, yeah, I can't do it again because the first one hit me that hard. I was really dis- so disappointed. And actually, I got a knee injury in, in the final. In, in, that's... Came off in the eighty fifth minute or something because I got an injury in, in the previous one against Fulham, um, so I, I couldn't. I did, just the feeling all night and the week leading up to it was I can't go through that again, um, and that's what made it ever so you know ever so sweet because you know I flipped it on its head twelve months later, which was amazing. Yeah, I remember that semi final at Villa Park. I've got a good memory, so I remember those things. I remember you were upset that you that you weren't playing yeah. in that in that first leg. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, I reckon you'll come on and you'll get a goal or you'll get, you'll get an assist. And obviously, you came on and you scored that unbelievable goal. My, my favourite goal, I think, right. that you scored for Villa. But I remember you saying there's some there was some frustration behind that shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I, listen, I was I was really really disappointed not to play the, the first game. Um, you know, me being me, 
you know, adore playing football, what I live for, and not to play that kind of big game at Villa Park. The atmosphere was electric that day. Um, it it was really really frustrating for me. So when we are one nil down, people probably go on about the technique or whatever. It was honestly hand on that. It was pure frustration. I was I was either hitting that into the top corner, or I was hitting it into the halting. I didn't care. You know what I mean? I was just putting my foot through it. And luckily enough, it, people are talking about it now as a wonder strike, which is amazing, of course. I mean, this, 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 this. What you're saying kind of will be news to a lot of people. They won't know really that the style that you are. Right. Dan obviously knows you well. I, I know you from 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 yeah. working with you for a couple of years. But how frustrated do you get when you don't play? Then can you just tell our listeners, you know, what it's like? Yeah, for me, it's it's massive. You know, you, your career kind of goes so quickly in front of you. You know, listen, I've seen lads without naming names in the villa dressing room or Barnsley dressing room or and, and they're happy not to play that's just that's just the characters they are you know what I mean no problem that's that's their own walk of life that they they want to choose and, and and go down no problem whatsoever but you know the, the hard work that I've I put myself through to go from you know lead two all the way up I just lived and breathed wanted to play games and I think that probably shows as well I wasn't happy to sit around Villa as difficult as it was to leave, you know, to go to Swansea, to go to Sheffield United. I could easily sit around Villa for the last 18 months, maybe get five, six, ten appearances in the Premier League and, and you know, have a happy life. But it's just it's just not me, you know what I mean? That's not the character I am. So, um, yeah, it, it, it always hits me hard when, when I don't play. It's, I've probably mellowed out a little bit as I get older, know how <laughs> to deal with it. Kids have come into my life, so, you know, win, lose or draw, don't play, don't play. You know, you're still there. You know, uh, two girls, and you're always going to be their daddy. So that that helps definitely. But um, yeah, it's I always want to play. That's just who I am. And that second leg, you talk about the frustration in in the shot for that for the goal in the first leg. Yeah. About the penalty in in the second leg, knowing that as well how much you want to get to the Premier League. Mm. Have you ever been more nervous doing anything in football than taking that penalty? No, but it's probably one of the proudest moments of of my career probably not the proudest but it's up there say if someone said what's you know give me one straight off the top of your head I think personally uh you know the, the nerves the tension stepping up to take the first penalty I see that as a prouder moment personally for me than the goal at Villa Park really yeah I do yeah I do because you know I've seen players over the years in penalty shoots don't want to take one you know there's so much at stake I've said them many times in this chat how much I wanted to get to the Premier League um, the pressure I was probably putting on myself as well that night, regardless of what was going on around me, um, I'm really proud to be able to say I stood up first and kind of got us on our way over the line that night. That was, it was, that was horrible. Yeah, that that I genuinely, I can still like imagine how I how I felt that that night. It was just horrible. I've got to say, West Brom created a hot, bit of a hostile yeah, environment, yeah, hostile atmosphere yeah. that night as well. Their fans, without a doubt, yeah, it was it was hostile. Um, <laughs> listen. Baggies against Villa is always going to be hostile regardless. You know, obviously, we had that one earlier on in the season, didn't we, with the handball, Rodriguez. Um, the, he handballed it and it shouldn't have been. Was That that was the same season, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was always in our back of our mind that we kind of got hard done by um, that evening as well, going back to the Hawthorns. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a massive occasion. And like I said, the Baggies did create a, a difficult atmosphere. And they got the first goal as well, you know what I mean, to make it even difficult again. So... Um, yeah, it was it was a tense atmosphere that night. Before we get on to the final, just quickly something around the West Brom games. I remember thinking that it kind of came full circle for you when you scored that goal and obviously had scored that penalty as well because you'd had a bad time in the game against West Brom in the league <sighs> yeah, at Villa shocking. Park. We yeah. lost two 0 and you got subbed. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you, it was really really harsh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really understand to this day. 
why that happened, but you got subbed and you got a real, real bad reception. Yeah, didn't you? I, did, and I, yeah. I just remember fe- really, really feeling for you. How, how did that feel? Did that ever happen to you before? No, it didn't actually. It, it hadn't happened to me before. Um, that's always difficult for, for a player. And it, it's, I've been involved in games where players have been cheered off, not just me or whatever. And it, it's always a horrible one that it's, it's not nice whatsoever. Um, so that that was that was a tough one to take. That was that was through the time where Jack was injured. We you know we weren't we were kind of floating around the middle of the table in championship, kind of going nowhere around Dean's kind of you know Christmas period like you just you went down about earlier on. Um, so that that was tough. Um, but I, I've always found in my career that I've always been able to. One of my strengths is just get up and move on with it and and, and let's crack on. You know, it, it affects you, but I'm always right. Let's get into training the next day early, work hard, first in, last out. And then that's always kind of been my my mantle over the course of my career. So, yeah, it wasn't nice, but kind of just got up and got on with it, really. Everyone I've ever spoke to about you, Connor, who's coached you or worked alongside you, have said that you've been somebody who strives to find that extra 1% here and there. But I mean... Yeah. Dan, Dan reminded me then of, the, of that night and, and I'd forgotten about it but that I mean that must just been an awful for you you're just at work effectively aren't you and you're getting that yeah it's, it's tough listen because I suppose people don't see the work I put in um, behind closed doors you know to, to be able to climb the ladder from League 2 to the Championship trying to get to the Premier League you know I pride myself on working hard because listen I knew coming into the Aston Villa environment it wasn't easy it wasn't going to be an easy environment to kind of stick in there there was always going to be money floating around there was always going to be players bought in um you know there's always players that find Villa too big that was definitely the case in some of the signings that we signed in around that January time um so I, w- I really prided myself and I have done over the course of my career to you know, to really pride myself on hard work you know it's high standards um and so when that happens when that happens shit it's not easy definitely but like i th- like i said before i've always kind of been able to shrug difficult moments off and and just crack on with it and and that's a big trait to have in, in the football world it really is isn't it sometimes you know if you i think you've said your hard work has has, has got you where you where you have not you, you yeah know, without, without, without it you yeah. wouldn't have been where you are so um, yeah and sometimes sometimes it's it's gone against me in terms of you know, I remember a particular moment with JT. Um, he, I, I wasn't in the team, or I was kind of not playing well. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and he said to me, uh, he came to me one day, and I was always out after training, running or shooting or finishing or passing or whatever. And he, he said to me, he, he pulled me one day and said, um, he was the kind of same under Mourinho, who's going through a bad stage at Chelsea. And he, and he said to me, Mourinho said to him, "Too much water kills the flower." you know, sometimes just step away from it. And it, that was a big thing for me at the time where I, I kind of took maybe two, three, four weeks away from extra work and kind of just came in, trained, went home and it kind of re-energised me. Um, and that's a big thing that, that I learned, you know, really good advice from JT at the time. And that's something that I've kind of taken moving forward in my career. I just remember you bouncing back because the guy in front of me gave you absolute pelters. I remember, I remember it in the, in the whole, in that West Brom game when you got subbed. Yeah. And the next game he scored two against Arbor. loving you that's just that's just how it works isn't it yeah listen that's that's the that's the life of a footballer at times you're you're loved you're not loved um but it's so important to keep that middle mellow ground that kind of that that middle road and lads do get carried away lads you know get really low and and that's everyone's different trait um but one of one of the things that i've always worked on in the course of my career is, is the mental side of the game i think that's that's massive you know i i'm a firm believer of lads use kind of psychologists or mental coaches or whatever you want to do 
when times are going bad but I've, I've always been a huge believer in times are going well why don't you use it then because that that will sustain the good times you know what I mean as best as you can yeah you'll always get a dip you'll always get a fall in your career of course um, but why always use them when you're going through bad stages why not use them when you're going through a good stage and, and, and maintain it you know so um, that's always been a, a big thing for me have you done that as well in Connor? But you know, when you're in your good yeah, times, yeah, massive, yeah. And, and what sort of things have, have people, if you don't mind sharing, what sort of things have people said? Because it'd just be really interesting in other walks of life. You know, if people are doing well in their job, what can they do to sort of stay on that track? I just feel like when I was at Barnsley, um, my agent at the time introduced me to a psychologist, and I'd never touched in it. Or, and I was, I was always saying to him, "What can I do to improve?" Or, "What can I?" You know, always hammering away at what can I, what can I do? And he introduced me to a psychologist, and I've had maybe two or three cents who I've, I've worked closely with one who I still I'm really really good friends with now um and uh yeah it it, 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 it I think it's massive for for any footballer or for for any individual it gives you a you know a, a strong mental state you know mental health is spoken about so much now um you know I've been very fortunate you know not to have any problems from that point of view but people do but it's it, it's 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 huge you know the mental side of the game in 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 football you know you work your technique you work your gym but for some reason a lot of players don't work the brain and the brain's so so powerful um and uh, it, that's been a huge thing for me do you think the psychologist helped you get into a really strong state of mind that when you were in that huddle for the penalty shootout you were brave and strong enough to just say yeah that's me i'm i'm ready sort of thing do, do you think he um, helped you he or she helped you in that or would you have always been there anywhere? I, I would probably say that it probably, I, would, I suppose when big moments come along in your career, every day helps towards that. I wouldn't say that one conversation with the psychologist helped me, but building a strong mindset for big moments in your career definitely, definitely help, in my opinion. Now, some people don't believe in it and think, oh, that's not for me. And that's just opinions, you know what I mean? Um, but I would say big moments, big pressured moments, you know, working with psychologists, in my opinion, definitely helped me as an individual. Yeah, is that those extra yards that you, that you yeah. talk about, or that extra one, but the extra percentages is that that's part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I would doubt, yeah, listen, if 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 big moments come along in your career, and and if you can stick your chest out and say, I've worked so hard for this in all aspects of my game to try and get over this, um, you know, this moment and to try and succeed in this moment, and there's some moments when it, it, you know you wouldn't succeed in, you know, you'd have a maybe a, a routine for when you take free kicks and you know a free kick in a game might come along and you've practiced a routine with a psychologist and you hit it into rose head and you think you know what was the point in that routine it's just part and parcel of it you, you go back to the drawing board and you work on another routine or you work on another aspect of your game to become stronger and it, it just all builds up to moments in your career and one thing that i'm very proud of like i go back to that penalty is that in big moments in my career I've been able to stand up and not you know shy away from it because I know if it works for me or if it doesn't I'll be able to handle the consequences. A few players have since told me in that huddle there were a couple of shrinking violets I think Codger was one of them it was just like <laughs> no not I'm not having one I don't know if you want yeah, to dig anyone listen, out Connor, but <laughs> no I don't no no I, I don't want to dig anyone out but I would say that yeah you're, you're right in, in shrinking violets and, and that's when characters step up for instance a character who I will mention is Mila Yednak, who was on the pitch for a minute, maybe, <laughs> yeah, at the time. Crazy. You know, and, and was right to the front of the queue on taking a penalty because he had done, he'd done it in World Cups. He had taken penalties all his career and other people just didn't fancy it. So, yeah, you always look back to the good characters and you think, do you know what, good on you. Um, 
you stood you stood up and you were needed and certain people stood up and other people didn't but you you find that in in all games and all occasions not just in the big occasions it could be you know playing Brentford away or Ipswich at home or whatever you know what I mean there's always moments where you find out about what your true character is and what other characters are all about absolute hero Yedinak is the only person I've interviewed or I've been scared of when, I, <laughs> when, I was, when I was interviewing I remember being really nervous interviewing Yedinak Greg we did, we did together didn't we and we were Do you remember like, his first reply to the first sure. question <laughs> I remember thinking he didn't like that what did he say? What was the question? I can't remember what he said. Saying, what have you been up to do, uh, during lockdown? And he just said like a one word answer. And it was just an oh, awkward silence. <laughs> Dude. But that stare, that stare into the crowd when he scored that penalty, that is that is class. Yeah, on the eye, Mila is a, a scary, intimidating man. But when you get to know him, he's a friendly beast, friendly giant. He's a really, really nice man. Someone who I've got really great respect for. But like I said... He can make you feel this small if he if he wants to, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm so, scared. Yeah, yeah. But he's he he he's a lovely, lovely man. And like I said, big moments, big characters. Good, 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 good man. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You achieved what you wanted then. You got into the Premier League with Villa. But actually, your contract was... You were negotiating contract. Did you always know you were going to get a new contract if we got promoted and that you would be that Premier League player? Or was there something in the back of your mind saying... They're going to buy a lot of players here. I still might not make it. Um, I had a year left on my contract and I was I was determined whether I got a new contract or not. I was probably going into the situation that I had at Barnsley. I had one year left. I played in League One, getting to the Championship. And I was like, right, I've got one year left. I'm going to get my head down. It could make or break me. You know, I'm, I might end up at a good club, an amazing club like Villa, or I might end up signing a new contract at Barnsley. I've always got that security. 
whereas at Villa, I was like, right, never been at the Premier League. I've got a year left, same situation. Going to get my head down and absolutely work at it like never before. But luckily enough for me, in that summer, I got a contract, which was amazing. Yeah, and then we've got to talk about the tweet. <laughs> yeah. Because you... you uh... As soon as you made your debut in the Premier League, you pulled that that tweet out from our old friend Craig Ties nine zero six one six zero seven, as he likes to be known. Yeah, I can guarantee you. Then after this podcast goes out or article or whatever, it's going to turn into Craig Taylor will get onto me because I'm telling. <laughs> really? Oh, honestly, it's it's becoming boring. You still hear from him all the time, all the time. Did you, did you play with him? No, no. I thought, I thought someone said that you played with him or something. This, Hopefully this will put an end to it with Craig Taylor. Listen, Craig, if you're listening, don't take it. I don't know why you've taken it to heart so much. Honestly, I haven't. I haven't replied to him once since this tweet. By the way, he, and he's obviously a Villa fan, and he comes to watch Villa. Amazing, fantastic, but like it. It is what it is, Craig. Just let it go. You know what I mean? It, but that's easy for me to say because I clearly didn't let it go. But. Um, yeah, he, he, every time I get asked in an interview now about this question, and it pops up a lot now this tweet because it it got away bigger than what I was what I was meant to get. He gets on to me and he goes, "Why are you always bringing my name up?" And all this? I'm no. like, what? "We need to I'm put like, an end was, to this, Dad." Yeah, was it like <laughs> I, I I think back now and I think I say it to my wife sometimes, "This Craig Taylor's got on to me again." That tweet is haunting me, and it was meant to be a good thing, you know what I mean? But yeah, I smile about it now. Yeah, because your words say I've got them here. So Craig said, <laughs> on, you we did, I'm "Sorry, to, I want to talk. I want to talk about it. No, I want to talk go about for it. it go for we're going. This is we're going to do it in depth, and then no one will ever have to do it ever hopefully, again. Hopefully. So you, I think you'd done an interview saying your ambitions to play in the Premier League. You're at Plymouth Argyle at yeah. the time, and Craig Taylor replied to you saying, "Good article, mate. You're Argyle's best player, kid. No danger, but the Premier League." There's ambitions, and then there's reality. And then you replied, "Something to work towards any every day." Can I not dream? And then you left it. I presume it was left there. Never yeah, spoke that, to him yeah, again. It, but you yeah. kept that. You did keep it in your in your mind. Yeah, I, su- I suppose when I go back to them League Two days, I was ultra ultra determined to 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 get as high up as I could in the in the leagues. Obviously, Premier League was the, the pinnacle. I, I was desperate to get there, but obviously at the time when you're League Two, it's a long long way off. And uh, you know, at Plymouth, I. I had no girlfriend at the time. I was a single lad. I could have easily kind of went out a lot, but I was at it every day, days off, bag of balls, you know, make just making it work, absolutely making it work. Um, and for someone to say that to me, it, it hit me hard. It was, it was. I was like, who are you to say that I can't get to where I am? Because I was really so determined at the time. So I suppose just because I was so determined, looking back at, that kind of 21-year-old Connor or whatever I was, 22, I was like, that moment kind of triggered at me and was just like, who are you to tell me where I can and can't go? So that's probably why it stuck in my head, really. I thought it was like a motivational thing because at the end you've said, never tell anyone I can't achieve someone. So I took it in that you were just trying to show people that you that you should have amb- ambition. Yeah, it, it's probably a bit of everything. You know, it was a determination to get there. Um and, and listen, people have said that it's an amazing, people have said, oh, you've, it's quite sad that you've kept a hold of it. But it's just something that's always kind of kept in my back of my head that I was determined. If I ever made it to the Premier League, I was going to tweet him. Um, and I was found out the night before that I was playing through the name in the team. And I, I had it set. It was in my draft. Honestly, <laughs> I, I swear that. to you. This is I swear, it was it, the night before. The <laughs> only thing that was worrying me is obviously sometimes on a off occasion, you see lads pull up in warm-ups, don't you? It happens. Yeah. Um, but 
tweet was there, it was ready, and all I if we had got beat, honestly, ten nil, that tweet was going out that that night, and I would have, you know, faced consequences from the manager or whatever. I don't know, you know what I mean, but it was going out, and it's something that I smile about now to this day. Oh, oh yeah. I've got tweets I've where there people have had a pop at me and said, yeah. that, "Oh, you're not going, you can't go on and, and do that." And I think if I ever did reach the heights that I want want to reach, yeah, I think I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, it's just it's just one of them things. Um, and I, I said to I said to my wife at the time and wife now, she's here by me, she's laughing. <laughs> current current wife. I, I said, yeah, current wife, just to let everyone know. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet him, and she was like, really? I can remember having a conversation with her. Um, I was like, no, I'm doing it. This this tweet was long happening before I met you, so this is happening. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's like I said, it's all lighthearted. But Craig, if you're listening, it's nothing against you, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I really like that you care, kind of, because I think in the early years of, of your time, you know, you pulled me up on a few things that I'd written yeah, as well. Did, and, Craig, you yeah, know, I think, yeah. But but it's but not many players do that. I mean, I think. I like that because I'm always up for having a conversation with someone and you know talking it through. And do you, do you yeah, do you think you get that's too sensitive or is it because you really care? I think I've probably mellowed out a bit now. Obviously, like I've touched on earlier. But one thing in my career, no matter who I play for or, or what or what I do or whatever, and it's probably a downfall at times is I care too much about the success of the team, about the success of me as an individual. Um. And I want to succeed and I want the team to succeed selfishly because that makes me look better and whatever. But I, I probably care too much and I probably take a lot on my shoulders as well from Plymouth, Barnsley, Villa in a dressing room where, where, you know, lads go through certain situations and I want them to be okay, want them, to, you know, to be okay in life or whatever, just because I simply care as, as a man and as a guy, you know, to, to try and make everyone, you know, be okay as best as possible. Um and sometimes that can go against you or for you, but yeah, it's it's one massive thing that in the football world, like yeah, I care an awful lot. Yeah, we've talked about the championship and how on earth did Villa go up that season? <laughs> how on earth did we stay up that season <laughs> in the Premier League? Yeah, that's an interesting one as well. I suppose going back to like what you said, um, you know, going into the Premier League, was I gonna get in there or whatever? I so you know, there was there was probably opportunities for me to to move that summer as well, um, you know, documented or not, we were trying to sign Calvin Phillips um, to try and make the squad better. Um, so, you know, there was an opportunity maybe for me to leave there. So, you know, uh, and then getting into the Premier League, you know, and, and, and for it not to go great at the time, you know, was difficult as well. But I tried to enjoy as much as I could. We signed a couple of pairs in January. We had the break, obviously, through COVID and Lo and behold, I suppose, yeah, it was just an, a, a mental, mental season, really. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, wasn't it? I just, I, <laughs> I just, I, I just thought, how the hell are Villa going to stay up? Yeah, it, yeah. In the same way, I thought, how are they going to get up the year when they, you know, in February when it just wasn't happening? I just thought they got no chance. But I mean, think you, you assisted like four or five of the last five, six goals, didn't you as well? Yeah, that, so you played a big part. That's something that I'm really proud of, I suppose, as well. In my Villa time, I suppose, you know, I played obviously in the Premier League before the COVID breakup. It did, it wasn't going well. Let's let's kind of not shy away from that. I, I had great moments in terms of Norwich away that season springs out to mind, you know, 5 1, um, scoring my first goal in the Premier League. That was a special day. Um, Newcastle at home, Monday night football, um, where I scored the free kick was, was, a, was a lovely, lovely moment. Norwich at home, where we scored one. 
I scored one. I scored one nil, and, and Jack set me up that goal to get us a big three points. Um, so I had some great moments that season, and then COVID came, and um, yeah, it, it obviously everyone writ us off. But what I would say about Dean, another thing that kind of, you know, I'll praise him highly for is that he used that COVID break to his maximum, without a doubt. Um, did everything, everything possible to 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 try and make us stay up as best as possible. You know, Zoom calls daily regularly most nights to talk through tactics how we're going to play when we get back he was really top class over that period and that's something that people may have said before but I just want to reiterate again that was a time where you can take your hat off the dean and said you made the most of that time for sure and 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 I think socially you were in your own little bubble as well at the Belfry weren't you you could all yeah it was a, it was a real siege mentality time wasn't it you know we're all in this together and d- could, could you have a bit of downtime then I mean you know adhering to all the social distancing rules or whatever were in place but but presumably that social side helped as well didn't it yeah we were all together in the Belfry and it was a strange time listen the Belfry is a massive complex and you're in there on your own it was it was really strange but it was it was it was a huge important time for us um, even kind of I'm going back to that but that was important and socially and gathering and you know you had a couple of drinks after games which in my opinion builds you know the buzz and the bubble win lose or draw the oh, camaraderie yeah, I think yeah. it does and I think some managers are, are, are big into it Sheffield United are, are big into it you know when they were with Wilder and even with Hecky now a couple of drinks after a game it, it, I think is, is great you know some people don't drink of course not everyone has to drink but I, I think it's 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 definitely a good unwinding time but I'm going back to even um, when we were when the football season had stopped completely and we were kind of going in in twos and threes and you got a time slot to go into Bodymore like that wasn't the end of your day you were scheduling then for a zoom call to talk through your clips and your tactics and how to get better as a team and it, it was a really really interesting time and that was a huge huge factor we like i said did our homework so much on 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 teams and on games that was a big thing for us to stay up because i remember when we came back we were a lot more solid but i just thought well i'm gonna score enough goals here that, yeah you can be as solid as you like but we're not gonna score and i remember there been some really frustrating one nils it was obviously the famous game against sheffield united yeah. the first game back i just thought we ain't going to score enough goals to, to stay up. But actually, the work that was done on the defence gave us the foundations to, to stay up because we were shipping goals for fun before that. And just that change, we were then capable of winning the game 1-0 or 2-1 and, and just about getting ourselves out of it. And we somehow did it. Yeah, it was it was before, obviously, the the, the lockdown. We played Leicester, didn't we? Um, we had a bad night there. And like you said, it just wasn't clicking whatsoever. And... Obviously, the writing was on the, on the wall for us. We came back, obviously got a little bit of luck with that Sheffield United you know, incident. Um, we had some tough games as well in, in that period. Though. I think we lost to Chelsea, didn't we, at home? We lost to Man United mm, at home. Yeah. So, we, you know, it wasn't all playing sailing. But the last kind of five, six games, we played Palace at home. We played um, Arsenal at home. And you look at the fixture and you think, right, we can beat Palace. If you turn up on the right night against Arsenal, you know, you know people always say soft touch against Arsenal. You know, you can get a result against him. But for me, the time I felt we were possibly going to get down was the Everton one. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was a tough, that was a tough result. You know, you're winning, Walcott scores a header. Um, and that was like, that. are we down here? That was, the, that, was, that was the time where I questioned, are we down? But 
like I said, lo and behold, somehow we, we pulled it out of the bag. It was that the one where El Ghazi missed the chance late on at Goodison. Was yeah. it that one? Yeah. Yeah, that that was that at one one or was that one nil? I can't I think it was at one nil, it was just before just before they scored. scored a weird, yeah, a weird a, header. A header that he probably hasn't scored in his career. Yeah, yes. you know, but it, it was a big looping header, wasn't yeah. it? I don't know if you remember it. I, I left um, Goodison Park, and I, I think I saw, thought the same as you, Connor. I thought, not sure how they get back from this now. Yeah, that that was really really tough. Um, and I I actually felt that we played well at Everton. I don't mm, know. Yeah, we did. We played we played well at Everton at the time, and that's not an easy place to go to. Obviously, I know there's no fans, so it makes a difference, of course. But that that was really tough result, and there was a, that was a lonely quiet bus home was it? without a doubt uh, yeah it was that, that's the kind of result that stays in my head where you think that was a tough tough dressing room afterwards that was a tough drive home yeah. uh, I'm not sure I'm, what, what, was it three games left after three that games, yeah. or two, three games Palace two, Arsenal West Ham left yeah Palace and for somehow you, look, you looked at the last three fixtures and you think right if we can get a result against Palace and you get back to back wins and you go into the West Ham game which was a nerve-wracking day, to say the least. <laughs> and I mean, into the dressing room, like yeah, after that, yeah, yeah. after the West Ham game, yeah, yeah, that was that was nice. That was that was a, that was a special one. Yeah, that was that was amazing. That was that was like a playoff final dressing room where it was pure relief, pure happiness, all emotions rolled into one. You know, that's another thing I'm very proud of. You know, to be at Villa for eighteen months of the two years that I was kind of involved in Villa in the Premier League. To say I've never been relegated from the Premier League is is always lovely to say and to have in your C V. Um so that that was a, that was an amazing dressing room to be a part of, yeah. I know you've got some really close friends still at, at, at Villa obviously and players that have moved on, you know, Jack and, and yeah. Guinea and um I mean you must have had some great nights out individually and <laughs> and nights out after <laughs> after big big moments. I mean yeah, look, the playoff final. I remember spending a bit of time yeah, with you yeah. after that. That was amazing. Um, the the, uh, the the survival was obviously different because you were just on your own, weren't you? I think for the majority of it, with, with yeah. a few family friends around. But um, some good memories there, presumably. Yeah, amazing times. Listen, I like you said, amazing people to be around. It you know, still friends with some staff at the club. You know, the doctor and smudged the, the masseurs being two of the main ones. Um, you know, very close with Jack. Guinea, um, Sam Johnson, still Neil Taylor, Tommy Heaton, really good, good people that I'll stay in touch with, you know, for many, many years to come. Um, you know, yeah, playoff final, staying up in in the Premier League too. That's really spring to mind. Um, just, just amazing, amazing times. You know what? I'll be, I'll be brutally honest with Jen. Norwich uh, the other night. Um, when when uh, they won the other night and I was sitting watching the game with my wife because um, I had like I said I hadn't watched them too often too many times this year because obviously I'm playing and whatever all, all due to, to, to the time that Villa play and I said I said to her I said I really miss playing for Villa because it, 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 it's it's ama- honestly it's 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 a special club to be able to say I've played there for four and a half years 150 games it's you know who wouldn't miss it you know it's it, it's an amazing amazing football club and like I said to the animal that I signed for, to the kind of beast that I left it in, is how could you not miss it? Because it's it would it's a special environment to be involved in. Are you upset about the the way it ended? Because I always kind of look at it as in it ended last season, really. When you yeah, because you started the first two games, you scored against Fulham, and then you're never really seen again on the pitch. Did did you feel hard done by? I, I know I know you felt. Yeah. Hard Dunbar, because I, I know you're a you're a, you won't mind me saying this. You're a, like a regular 
in the manager's <laughs> office when, when you're not playing. If you're a not of playing, times, you're a of in times. that office asking what you've got to do to get in the team. But yeah. it kind of felt at that point you were just always going to be the full guy. You're always the one subbed off. Yeah. You'd come on, you'd do well, you'd get a game and then you'd be taken off in that game. It just kind of was starting to feel like you were always the full guy. Did, did you feel like that? A little bit. I was probably disappointed. There was probably two moments in my Villa career where not so much leaving in January to go to Swansea. I didn't feel like it was over then because okay. I always knew that I was going to, whether I was going to get a game or not for Villa, I always knew that I was going to go back for pre-season, whether Swansea got promoted, whether Swansea didn't. So I always knew it wasn't the end for me um, and it was amazing to get a game in the Carabao Cup before I left. But I didn't feel like it was the end leaving Swansea. The two moments, if I'm being honest with you, that I felt like um, it was possibly coming to an end was Wolves away when JJ played ahead of me. That, that was a disappointing one for me. Um, I felt like I was going to play the game. I can't remember. We had a couple of injuries and I felt, oh, I'm definitely going to play here. I can't you remember. You played the one before against West Ham, didn't you? And we was played that, well, but we lost. Yeah, we lost 2-1. Barkley was out. That was it. Barkley was out. So you just assume you're, you're yeah. going to be coming in for him. And Dean put JJ ahead of me and I thought, mm, okay, that's disappointing because I thought I was going to play. And I felt I did okay against West Ham, even though we lost. And the second one was obviously the first two games I scored against Fulham and then being left out with the Liverpool game, Ross came in and I know Ross came in and, on big money and is a very good player in his own right but I felt like it was still my shot to lose and I still didn't play that, you know, I got left out with that game after scoring the previous game. So there are probably two games where I felt, mm, yeah, is, is the writing on the wall for me here a little bit. I remember saying to you like loads of times though, like, Four years ago, five years ago, if you'd have been said your biggest problem was going to be that you sat on the bench for Villa in the Premier League, would, yeah. would you have taken it? Yeah. It's, like, it's like weird, isn't it? Yeah, because you, you so want to play, but you also so wanted to be Premier a Premier League player. And sometimes that, that comes with the territory, doesn't it, being on the bench? It's it's a difficult one, I suppose. Listen, being on the on the bench for Villa is, is nothing to be ashamed of in, in the Premier League. And I keep going back to me being me, always wanting to play, and and I knew I probably wasn't going to play all the games in the Premier League. But when you be, when you be, when it kind of turns into, you know, three, four, five, six, seven games, and maybe I might have got an appearance here and there, and that I think, you know, where's this going for me? And another big thing is why I always want to play is because I always want to stay involved in the Ireland team. Um, you know, I feel like I'm established now at that level. You know, having over kind of thirty caps, but still, you always want to play to to. So when you go away on them trips, that you get in the team because minutes match match minutes and being match fit is big to get yourself in that team. So, um, that was another thing sticking in the back of my head. But um, yeah, I suppose when Ross came in, it was always going to be even more difficult for me to get in the team. Um, but yeah, listen, I got to the Premier League, and I got to play in it. It's you know with Villa, and it's something I'll always be always be proud of. I mean, during that time when when you're going home to your wife and and your two your two daughters, kind of, it must be getting quite hard at some times, mustn't it? You must be thinking, where am I going next? You know, am I quite happy here? What's yeah. happening? I mean, were you were your support network quite good with you at that point? Yeah, listen, amazing. I think when I one of the times when I came home and I said to my wife, listen, I I think I I need to try and push and go on loan. I don't think she was best happy because she was pregnant at the time. Okay. So she was like, are you actually winding me up? <laughs> I'm pregnant or whatever. And I'm, you know, checked into a local hospital or whatever um, happens. But I, I was like, listen, you know what I'm going to be like around the house. and It's not going to be great. <laughs> uh, and listen, amazing support network around me. You know, my wife, I had one daughter at the time um, before the second one arrived. Mom and dad have, have been huge for me over the course of my career. And um, so... 
yeah, it, the support network. I've been very, very fortunate to to have good good people around me and go back to again psychologists working with them through tough times. Um, you know, to keep to keep me you know on the straight and narrow. You know, to keep my standards high. And that's the one thing I always do is the next day in training, keep working hard. You know that then that's always something that's just engraved in me. Because your family goes all in as well, don't they? Yeah, your family gets heavily involved where you're playing. I remember them all being at that Spurs game. Actually, there was tons of them there. Tons of your family. Yeah, there. that was that was a proud one. Obviously, listen, they'd been on the journey with me to to get to the Premier League, and they definitely weren't going to miss the the first one. Um, that was that was an amazing day. You know, Spurs new stadium as well. It was. I think that's an amazing stadium stadium to play at. Um, so they're they're all in exactly when wherever I am. My brother at the time was living in London. He's actually living back in Cork now. He he's moved back since the pandemic. Um, so he was a regular on the way end when he was living in London, wherever I may be, wherever I was playing with Villa. So he 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 had some special away days as well. He, you know, being involved in him in the away days with Villa are are pretty lively. So he <laughs> he's had some funny ones as well. Are you are you girls old enough to look forward to Christmas yet, Connor? Or the older one is she's she's three now, so she's get really getting into it. Um, the younger one has just turned one, so she's not 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 as much right now. But the the older one's three and really into Santa, <laughs> and we've been to see Santa and all the rest of it a few, a few times, not just once. Yeah, um, I've actually dressed up as Santa a couple of times <laughs> in the backyard and <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's it's um it's 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 an amazing time when you have kids. Yeah, brilliant. Are you training Christmas Day or? Yeah, we are. We've got Preston away Christmas oh, on, on Boxing right, Day, so away. we're yeah we're um, we're in, but we're Hecky's very good with that. So we're in at six, I think it is Christmas Day, train and travel. So I'll get the morning at home and all the rest of it, and get to have oh, Christmas right. dinner at home, yeah. which is which is nice. It, it's it's manager always are are always accommodating around that time of year. To be fair, you know, because they've got families themselves as well, you know. Just before we let you go, because you've given us so much of your time, which we really, really appreciate, you didn't you doing your coaching badges? You've got some coaching badges. Is is that what you want to do after football? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really, really passionate about that. Um, it's something that I'm definitely going to go into when I'm finished. Uh, I've done my B, like, so I did my one and two as an education when I was at Sunderland when in your apprenticeship. Um, that was standard at the time that it's involved in your kind of a, your apprenticeship, your you know in your youth team. So I've done one and two. I've just finished my B license which I finished in the summer. So I'm going to be on my A hopefully in the next 12 months, kind of after we see this period of, of coronavirus through. Um, and uh, yeah, that's something that I'm, I'm definitely going to do and definitely be you know passionate about moving forward. Um, I'm excited about it as well because, you know, maybe me wanting to be the best at, best at, as I can as, as, at it. So it's um, something that I will be involved in definitely, yeah. Would you be prepared to just like start right from the bottom and work your way up if, if needed to be? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I, I haven't really thought about where I would like to start with this. I'm hoping, you know, um, you always need a little bit of luck in your playing career and that goes. that's going to be the same in your coaching career. Um, you know, I feel like I've, you know, made some good friends along good the way. It's to know, you know people, isn't it? That's where yeah, you get 100%, in usually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's huge to be, you yeah. know, if you want to stay in, in the industry that you're in, it's huge to be a good character. And, and I'm not just saying that to... to pretend to be a good character but really just be a good character you know there's all there's a lot of pretend good characters out there that don't worry about that but there's just to be a really good guy and I've I'm I'm a big big believer in that um so you know I've got good friends still at Barnsley and obviously still good friends at Villa still keep in contact with Steve Cooper even though I was only with him for six months really good guy someone who I got on really really well with so um hopefully along the way when you know over the next few years I'll make more 
you know good friends with good characters and, and when, I, when it, that time comes that I go into that kind of path in the coaching that you know something will kind of fall on my feet that I can make my way if JT gets in there somewhere you know you were close yeah you never know yeah JT still speak yeah. to him now um, really good guy you know following that closely no doubt you'll He'll fall in somewhere. Um, you know, he's really keen to be a manager, as we all know. So that would be an interesting one to watch as well. I know you did your big social media post when you, when yeah. you had your low mood, but this is your chance now to do it verbally. <laughs> oh, God. You got a, me- got a message, <laughs> message for the Villa fans that have supported you all those yeah. years and the guy in front of me who abused you, that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, that, I, I support that. What a time it was, you know, um, four and a half years of, of the best years of my life, the best years of my career. Um, I suppose I want to just say, talking about the football club, what an amazing, amazing club to be a part of. I've, I've touched on that already. Um, you know, the fans, the away fans. One moment that sticks in my head with the fans was outside Wembley at the at the Derby playoff final. Um, you know, lining the streets, the buzz, the atmosphere, the bust through was incredible. Um, you know, they were amazing to me you know seeing Villa fans around the place you know they thank me all the time for the service and that's that's amazing to, to get um, you know and hopefully I was okay for them as well but no just just a thanks from me because special special club special special times and it was it was just an amazing amazing time in my career well thanks to you for coming on the podcast it's been great to chat to you and, and do it finally and just thanks for all the memories as well because you know I've been in the, in the stands for, for a lot of those special memories that you've had and it was it was a pleasure to watch you play and have someone care so deeply about the club they, they play for it's not always the case so yeah I'm sure all the Villa fans wish you best with, with the rest of your career and hopefully one day you'll, you'll be back at Villa Park yeah hopefully I haven't got back there yet obviously with um you know with my own playing career but I'd love to get back for it for a game um and see the lads because like you said Villa Park's an amazing place to play. Uh, you know, here you you know your Gary Neville's and your Carragher's and your Lampards and all. They always say Villa Villa Park is one of their favourite away grounds. And when you get to play there as a home player and and, and call it your home every week is is special. So yeah, really looking forward to going back. Aston Villa looking for the killer strike. Athletic.